Earlier this fall, I don't know if I could still call it what we're in fall. It feels like winter. Earlier this year, my family and I got to go to um, a city right in the Smoky Mountains called Townsend. It's this beautiful little city. And um, Court and I love to, to get away to the mountains and just go hiking. There's something about um, just getting outside the city and being in nature and, and hiking and just being together. And so we invited our kids um, to come with us this time. And, and, uh, and that was fun. And, uh, you know, Court and I have been to Smokies several times and, and we've never seen a bear before. And I don't know if you've been to Smokies, you're like, I see a bear every time. Well, good for you, but I haven't. And so never seen a bear. And so our kids are asking all these questions, you know, are we going to see bears? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. We've never seen one before. And so, you know, our first day there, we're driving through Cades Cove. Any Cades Cove fans here today? Yeah, we're driving through Cades Cove and literally like as soon as we get in, and there was terrible traffic that day. So it was a Lord's blessing that we saw this, but we're driving and, and, and we see like three or four bears just run kind of right by the car. And we're like, oh, that was so cool. And, and so we're like telling our kids, you know, we've been here many times. We've never seen bears. That was, that was awesome. And then the, the next day we were, we were on our first hike and we were actually coming back down, um, back to the car and we come around this curve and we throw this picture up about 60 or 70 feet from us was this black bear. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen a bear on a hike before. And um, man, it was amazing. Uh, you know, from, from me to probably the kid's banner in the back, and we just stop, and we're just like staring at this bear, like taking in its beauty, like taking in its power. It was honestly exhilarating. I was thinking about, um, you know, I, I'd done some reading leading up to this trip, and they say, you know, if, you, if a bear starts to attack, you're not supposed to run because you're not faster than a bear. You're supposed to get tall and, like, get intimidated. And I know that all of you guys have confidence that I could take a bear, but I didn't have <laughs> that same confidence that day. And so, you know, I see this bear, and I'm going, I want to stare at this, but I'm also a little scared this guy's about to turn on merit, and I'm going to have to fight this bear today. And, <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, we, we stare at it for a little while, and you can tell the bear's a little scared, and so mostly by us. And, and so we're just, we, we continue to walk. And, and I noticed this thing that the next few days as we were on different trails, hiking different parts of the mountain, that every time we were on a trail, um, I mean, I was looking for bears. Um, like there, there was something different about the way that we hiked that day when you know, not just in theory that there are bears there, but you know from experience that there's just a different awareness. There, there's a different way that you're looking. There's a different anticipation in your heart. Um, this fall, we've been in this incredible series. I've loved this series that we've been in called uh, Unseen. And, um, and, and we've been just kind of talking about this unseen world, this unseen spiritual world that's going on all around us. And so if you've been tracking with us the first week, Dave kicked us off and he talked about the reality that each of us, whether we know it or not, um, we were born into a spiritual battle. And whether you choose to believe it or not, the battle is still raging around us. And then week two, Aaron had this just phenomenal teaching on the Elohim, that, that part of the spiritual world is at the top, which we all think of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And we think of the enemy at the bottom, but, but all throughout there are these created spiritual beings, some that are in rebellion to Jesus, some that are working against Jesus, actually working against us. And then there are some that are working in submission and surrender to Jesus that are working for us. And so we talked about these two opposing forces, the kingdom of light, the kingdom that conquers, the kingdom of victory, the kingdom of Jesus, and the kingdom of rebellion, and how the thing that these two kingdoms are after is us, is our hearts, is our allegiance. And so we talked about the reality that the way that we stand in this is by choosing each day to, to put on the spiritual armor so that we can not just 
be a part, not just receive the blows from this world, but to stand, to overcome. And then last week we talked about the importance of understanding our role in the spiritual battle. It's not just to be clothed in the spiritual armor, but it's our job as God's people to be really honest about dealing with the strongholds that the enemy has in our life so that we can also help our brothers and sisters be released from the strongholds in their lives. So I've just been tasked with kind of bringing this series down. And I'm sure you're going, man, there's so much more in this world that I want to know, and me too, right? And, and I wish that we just had years to dive into this, and hopefully we will. We keep walking together as a church family. But, but this morning, I go, man, how do I land this series? What is the, the big takeaway? And I, and I go, I, I can't think of a better way than for us to just behold Jesus, Man, that we would most certainly, like very practically, as we leave today, as we go about our weeks, as we step into Thanksgiving later this week, as we step into the Advent season, man, that, that we would be aware of the battle going on around us, um, that, that, but that our eyes wouldn't be on the battle. And, and our eyes wouldn't be obsessed with the, the Elohim, and our eyes wouldn't be obsessed with the enemy, that our, our eyes and our hearts would be fixed on Jesus. I love what the psalmist says. I lift my eyes to the Lord. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker, the heaven of earth, and so the, the maker of heaven and earth. And so as we look at, at Jesus today, my prayer is that if, if you come here today and you're not close to this Jesus, my prayer is that you would see Jesus for who he is and that you would do whatever it takes to get close to him. No more excuses, no more holding back. And my prayer is that, that for all of us, man, that, that we would see Jesus. Man, that day when we saw the bear, you just, you just behold it. You take him in that today we would see Jesus as Paul describes who he is and who his work is in Romans chapter 8. And, and that we would see him. That we'd fix our eyes on him that over and over and over again we keep lifting our eyes back to see this Jesus. And not that we would just look at him, but we would join in what he's doing in this world. As we, eagerly retake, as we eagerly await his return. And so today, we're just going to walk through this beautiful text. You know, I was telling Will, a worship pastor, and Aaron, the guy who did the welcome and sin this morning, you know, there's sometimes you get up to preach and you're like, dude, I, I feel good about this. Like, you just know it. You feel good. And there's sometimes where you're like, I don't feel great about what I have to say, but the word is so rich. You guys were clapping literally as he read the scripture. I'm like, how can I mess this sermon up? It's so rich. This is what Paul says, man, soak this in. Listen, behold Jesus. Stop on the trail, look at him. Listen to what he says. Don't miss this. Be here this morning. What then can we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? My brother Paul, who wrote this church to the church in Rome, he's not saying that it's not possible for people to be against us. No, there are lots of people and there are lots of beings that are and will be against us. What he's saying is that ultimately, they will not triumph. If you're in Christ, if you love Christ, if his spirit is in you, leading you, guiding you, you're on the winning side, you're on the right side of God's force, who can be against us? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, not just for some, not just for those who've, Who've, who've grown up in church, who've been trying, gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? And, 
And I love this. I want you to, to just hear or think about this for a minute. Our God is not stingy. Paul, who, who knows the Lord, who loves the Lord, he's saying, man, if, if God the Father was willing to give his own son, his own son who was with him in the beginning, who, his own son who he's loved forever, if, if he was willing to give his son to the cross for us, then you and I, we can go to this generous God and ask him for anything that we need. This God gave us his son for our salvation. There's nothing greater than that. There's nothing bigger than that. Man, if he is willing to give us that, we can trust that he'll give us the lesser things that we need in this life. And I love what, what Paul says here. It's so important. Listen to the, the words. Don't just see the forest, see the trees. He says the father and the son do this together. It's not that the, the son Jesus is up in heaven frustrated that, 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 um, you know, that, that, he died, that he had to die for us, that it was the father's plan. No, this is teamwork, the father and the son responding to our needs, to our prayers, to our predicaments together. How will he not also along with Jesus, the father and Jesus giving us all things that we need? We got to hear this, you know, just like a, a good parent. The father doesn't always say yes to our request. In our finite perspective, man, this can really create some tension sometimes when we're asking for something and we know that thing is good and we keep asking. And I mean, I wonder if I were to ask you to raise your hand, how many of you are asking for good things today and you haven't gotten that good thing and in your mind, you should get that good thing? Like, would it be 100% of us that would raise our hands right now? Like, but, but have you ever, it, hindsight is, is so powerful, the past is so powerful. Have you ever prayed for something? Didn't get it? And now see how grateful they are that you didn't get it, right? And in our limited perspective that we don't have the, the perspective of seeing the future, that, that where we are in time and in, in God, when, in, in his goodness and his grace, he says he's going to give you all things. And we go, you know what? He says this, but I've been asking for this for years and years and years. Why hasn't God come through or why hasn't he given me this? And those questions are not going to get all settled right now. But I do encourage you, keep praying. Learn from the past. Trust Romans 8, 28, that he's going to make all things work for the good of those who love him. And ultimately, you and I are not God. And we don't get to decide how our lives turn out. We are here for his glory. Verse 33, I love this. Man, this is beautiful. Listen to these words. Just behold Jesus. Who will bring any charge? against those whom God has chosen. It's God who justifies. You know, the reality is that, that right now in the spiritual world, that, that the enemy is throwing out all kinds of accusations, all kinds of charges. They're constantly being spoken. It's not that no one is declaring them. Listen to this. It's that they don't stick. Man, the enemy's calling out all kinds of things. Man, JD is a liar. Man, Micah has a foul mouth. These things aren't true. I'm just throwing out accusations. They might be true. I don't know. Like, maybe so. Maybe you're like, dang, how did he know that? <laughs> the enemy's, he's always accusing. He's always bringing charges against us. Always. He's constantly. But listen to this. 
It's God who justifies. You know what that word justifies means? It means to be declared righteous. The one with the authority, the one sitting with the gavel gets to make the call. And you know what he says? If you're in Jesus, you're righteous. He says we're righteous. Man, he says we're righteous and he's, and he's not like a, a parent that, that thinks their kid does no wrong and just ignores it, pretends like their kid is just everything. That's not the way the father, like he's not deceived. He doesn't have this uninformed, you know, this naive understanding of who we are. No, he can say we are, we are righteous. We are declared to be righteous. We have been justified because Jesus took the punishment for all of our sin, all of our rebellion. The Father's not holding it over our head. He's not reminding us. He's not calling back things from the past. No, on the cross, our Lord and King took it all. And the full wrath of God was really poured out there. So our rebellion and our sinful choices and and our choosing to go our own way, they're actually consequences. And the reality is that all those consequences fell on Jesus. There's actually a really high price that it, it, it means for us to be righteous. It means that someone else had to take the punishment. So we hear that, we, we behold Jesus, we go, whoa, I'm righteous because of Jesus. Listen to this. So who then is the one who condemns? Verse 34. Who condemns? No one. No one. Satan's going, yeah, but, but this and, and this, and they cheated back then, and they did, they did this, and they're a liar, and they're a fraud, and they did this, and they did this, and the Lord says silence. Jesus. Christ Jesus who died. Listen to this. More than that. Was raised to life. It's not that he just died. He, he raised to life and he's at the right hand of God. And he's interceding for us. Man, behold Jesus. Behold him this morning. Stop on the trail. Look at him. Who condemns? Who, who pronounces a sentence against? Man, no one. Bailey, no one. Kevin, no one. Laura, no one. I love it. He, 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 he rose from the dead. Our Lord Jesus is alive. He's, he's at the Father's right hand. You know what the right hand is? It's the place of prominence. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that each of us, if we are in Christ, we have been seated in the heavenly realms. He has secured salvation for all of us. Our spot in the family is secured forever. The Father is waiting to share the better and the best things with us in the life to come. But just hear this. It's Jesus at the right hand. We're seated in the heavenly realms, but Jesus is at the right hand. Man, the, the, the right hand of blessing. The right hand which, which puts favor Story in Genesis chapter 48 where Joseph is blessing Ephraim and Manasseh, and, and, and Manasseh is the older one, and so Joseph wants him to put his right hand on him, and what does Joseph do? He puts his right hand, he switches it and puts it on Ephraim, and, and you go, man, the right hand is actually incredibly significant. Think about your right-hand man or your right-hand woman, right? They're dependable, they're tested, they're trusted. It's a place of honor in distinguished glory, this is the place where Jesus sits. He's at the Father's right hand. Don't forget that. Behold him. What's he doing right now? He's interceding for us. 
He's not sitting in heaven being like, dude, why hasn't Will figured this out yet? Why hasn't Tate figured out? Why isn't Christian perfect? Why hasn't Todd and Stacy just mastered this life? No, he's, he's interceding. Man, when we talk about intercessory prayer, maybe you're not familiar with that phrase. Intercessory prayer is you talking to God on someone else's behalf. Talking to the Father, talking to the Son, talking to the Spirit. And I go, man, think about what Paul is telling us about Jesus. What he's doing at the place of honor at the Father's right hand. He's talking to the Father, talking to the Spirit about us. On our behalf. Man, that, that Jesus, he sees what's going on. He sees the temptations. He sees the struggles. He sees the stress. He sees the hard things that are going on in your family and at your workplace. He sees the way that you're, you're trying to be faithful. And I love this picture. Jesus talking to the Father, talking to the Spirit, the Spirit that is inside of each of us. The Spirit receiving from Jesus the prayers on our behalf. God, give Kimberlyn strength this week. Spirit, it's going to be a hard week. Fill her up. Help her. Help her to hear your voice. God, help, help Hunter to be aware of your presence. Jesus is interceding for us. He's asking the Spirit, oh, lead them. Help them. Point them to us. Verse 35. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It's important. He, he doesn't say the love of God there. He says the love of Christ. Man, it's just over and over again in this picture. He wants us to understand the deep love that Jesus has for us. He didn't do the Father a favor. I mean, he didn't. The Father's like, hey, I need you to go do this for humanity. Out of his incredible love for us, our older brother, man, behold him. His love for us is strong. And in all these things, trouble and hardship and persecution, Jesus' love for us, it doesn't fade, it doesn't grow cold. Sometimes we're tempted to think that because we're going through something hard, it means that God's favor isn't on us. Sometimes we wrestle with, man, what did I do to deserve this? What is going on in my life? No, hardships are not a sign that God is withdrawing his love from us. No, these words in scripture speak truth so that we, when we go through hardships, we're not deceived. Verse 36, God, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Man, when, when we are close to Jesus, like in this life, and, and only you can answer that. Man, are you, are you close to Jesus right now? Do you love him? Is he your strong tower? Is the Lord the place of refuge, the place that you run to? Do you love being in his presence? Do you wake up and go, yes, I get to, to be with God. On Sunday morning, you go, I get to be with God and his people. And you go to house church, you're like, yes, I get to be more with God. Do you, do you burn from him? Are you close to him? You have nothing to fear if you're close to Jesus. And the reality is so often the closer you are to Jesus, man, hard, hard things are going to come your way. This passage of scripture does not say if you're close to Jesus, if you're locked into him, you're going to have an easy life. He says, no, you're like sheep preparing to be slaughtered. I'm like, what? Yeah, Jesus was crucified. 
Our brother Stephen, the book of Acts, was stoned because of his commitment to Jesus. And that feels so far-fetched to us in America that that would even be possible to come our way. And I go, man, but there might be a day. Even in death, he doesn't leave us. When the hardness of life is just is pressing in and it feels like it's just about to crush you, his love is not withdrawn from you. Verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. How can you be more than a conqueror? What is Paul talking about there? When you conquer someone, you win, you overcome. We are more than conquerors. You do more than just defeat the enemy. There's, there's more here. We are more than conquerors through him, through Jesus, who loved us over and over again. He loves us. Behold him. For I'm convinced, verse 38, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. It's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Word of the Lord from Romans 8. Man, think about, put verse 38 back up there, please, Jonathan. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, verse 39, please, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. I love that that the band chose that song, man, fear will never conquer me. Think about all the things that we fear. Some fear death. Man, some, if we've been walking through the series, man, you, you, you're now really fearful of, of, of demons. Like, man, is a demon going to get in me? Like, when's it going to attack? Some of us are, are fearful about the future. Some of us are fearful about the present. Some of us are fearful about the powers that are going on around us that we don't have control of. And Paul, man, our, our, our older brother, man, who had experienced so much already as he wrote this letter. He'd been through all these things, life and death experiences and battle in the spiritual world, angels and demons. And, and he's looking like a, a grandfather, a sage, someone with wisdom. And he says, listen, you have nothing to fear. If our takeaway from this series is greater fear, man, we failed. I'm going to put it on Aaron. Aaron has totally failed, just <laughs> completely failed us. No, really, though, if, if, if we leave here with a fear, man, we've missed it. There's more work to be done. Man, the place that we leave, that we, we take from this is just this absolute confidence in Jesus and his love for us and his care of us and his attention to us. Nothing in all creation has the power. Nothing. Nothing in creation in and of itself has the power to pull us away from the love that Jesus has for us. Nothing. 
Nothing. No dark force can't pull you away from his love. No hardship in your marriage. No struggle in your family. No financial issue. Nothing. His love is not withdrawn. Here's how I want us to, to close today. Man, communion is, is this time that Matthew 26, the night before Jesus was crucified, took a piece of bread, took some wine, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. What he's saying, refix your heart on me. Recalibrate your thinking about who I am and who you are. Remember me. Remember what I've done. Here in a minute, we're going we're gonna to take communion. I'm going to invite you to, to get up and go get a piece of bread, a cup of juice, and to, to do a couple things. You know, some of you, man, you have moved away from Jesus. Please listen to me. Some of you are here today, man. You grew up knowing him. You grew up loving him. And for whatever reason, man, you have, you have distanced yourself from him. But recently you felt the, the pull. And it's the pull of the Holy Spirit. It's the prayer of Jesus, the intercessor. He's calling. He's inviting you back. And I want you to know, man, if, if you left Jesus, but, but, but you're apprehensive to step all the way back in, his love never left you. And Jesus is so different from us. His mercy is new. His forgiveness is up on you. And here in just a minute, we're going to take communion. I encourage you, man, if, if this is your story, and you are away, but you feel like God's inviting you back, but you're just, you, you don't know what that looks like. You're still feeling some guilt and some shame and some worry. Man, I invite you to, to come to the respond banner. I believe you can take communion this morning and you can come with people that you, you came with and the reality is you're fully welcome back and the love of God is fully upon you, but I encourage you to really mark this moment. Come to the respond banner. Let a brother or sister pray for you. Mark the homecoming. Show to the spiritual world. I was gone. I'm coming home. I'm home. I'm receiving all that Jesus has promised here in Romans 8. Some of you this morning, as we take communion, you need to just really soak in the truth of this passage. Man, we spend so much of our life looking at us, looking at others, looking at the spiritual world. We need to just fix our eyes on Jesus. And as you're taking communion this morning, share with the people around you what word in Romans 8, came with weight this morning. What was the thing that went, oh man, that spoke to me? In communion, I invite you to share that. Some of you this morning, your hearts, man, are so heavy for someone right now. It's someone who doesn't know Jesus. And it's someone maybe who's gone to church their whole life, but that fire for God is not there. Some of you are hurting right now. Your hearts are heavy for someone in your life who's hurting. And I encourage you to, to pray for them in communion. And then for all of us, man, as, as we take communion, as we, as we wrap up this series on the unseen world, man, there are going to be moments inevitably um, where, um, where we are aware of the battle that's going on around us. And moments that we triumph, and then moments where we get tripped up. And I hope that you'll just, you know, kind of put this in your pocket or put this in your purse, that you'll carry this. Man, when, 
when we triumph, when we're aware of the spiritual world, and the Spirit's speaking to us, hey, don't do that. Don't be tempted. Don't say that thing. Don't do that thing. Man, moments where the Spirit leads us, where we're aware of the spiritual world and we triumph, may we praise the Lord. May our first thought after those moments, give him glory. Thank you, Lord. In moments when we get tripped up in spiritual battle, it's going to happen. We're going to miss it. We're going to fall short. We're going to say that thing we didn't want to say. We're going to do that thing. Man, walk in repentance. And may each of us give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord, especially the work of the Lord in other people's lives. May we spend our lives inviting people to, to fix their eyes on the Jesus that we know. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to send us to communion. So Lord, man, we just acknowledge that the past six or seven weeks, this is a, for some, man, this is, um, this is not new territory. This is um, a space that, that they've been really comfortable in operating in. And others in this room, this is the first time. And so Lord, would you, would you show us how to keep growing in our awareness of what's going on around us. But more than anything, Jesus, may we behold you. And Lord, you meet us this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for the way that you're working right now. You're tugging on hearts. God, may we get right with you today. May we step into the righteousness, the justification that you've given to us. Let us walk in repentance. Let us embrace the joy that you have for us joy that comes from knowing you, from your love. As the Holy Spirit, I pray you would fall afresh right now. You would stir up the waters of our hearts, fix our eyes on the King. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Man, you guys are awesome. So thankful for you. I invite you to stand up. Let's go grab communion from the bar, the tables around the room. If you want prayer, please go to the Respond Manor. We will pray for you. Nothing more we'd love to do. Let's take communion.